0: Daily with Jason Martites. Welcome to your Wednesday, December 16th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martitas. Ton to get to in this episode. And we'll start it off right now with Bill Meltzer. Had a chance to catch up with Bill to talk about everything from the NHL return to play, the Phil Myers contract, Goalies Week, and a ton more. And here's that conversation. Uh, happy to have joined join us here once again on Flyers Daily for uh, a lot of different angles of conversation, including a recap on Goalies Week, which was a ton of fun. Bill Meltzer joins us right now. Bill, how are you doing? I'm doing
1: great. You know, it's uh, a, lot of, a lot of big stuff from the horizon here right now.
0: Yeah. I feel like, um, there's a lot of momentum right now, which we're going to get into in a second, but let me give you a couple of numbers. You like me, um, like numbers, uh, to an extent, um, but 28 days, that would be January 13th, yep. four weeks from the airing of this podcast. It's been 101 plus days since the Flyers last played a game on September 5th, game seven against the New York Islanders that uh, very horrible game seven, as a matter of fact, but it ended their season. Um, now, not numbers, but Robert Haig and Oscar Lindblom apparently are in country. And I'm assuming quarantining in preparation for an upcoming camp. Tyler, or, um, excuse me, Tyler Myers. Phil Myers has a new contract, and we're all hoping for ratification of a vote. Other than that, there's nothing going on.
1: Oh, good to talk about.
0: <laughs> Where I want to start, though, is with the NHL news, and we're going to get to Phil Myers. We're going to get to Goalies Week. We're going to get to a lot of different things. But let's start with the NHL news because everything's predicated on it. So, Bill, it, it seems as if the league and the players are, are really close to a deal. And from my understanding right now, the one thing that may be holding it up, not really holding it up, but taking longer to iron out maybe than than they thought and kind of delaying things, although we should get maybe a, a vote by the end of this week, is the roster issue. AHL players, expanded rosters, how that's going to affect the cap, what those players are going to get paid, service time, all of those trickle down effects of that. What is what kind of what you're hearing in regard to expanded rosters and how that will work?
1: Well, I I think that they're waiting also for, you know, final word on the American hockey league season. I mean, they're, they're pretty close to, uh, they're targeting early February to start, whereas the NHL is targeting mid January. Um, I think the feeling is, is that if it's, it's going to be, you know, a couple of weeks turnaround then you don't necessarily need to, uh, you know, expand your rosters except you know potentially in case of injury almost like a black aces kind of thing um but i mean that's uh that that's kind of thing where, where things are at I, I think that uh you know one thing is that for everybody involved it's going to be a, a short camp regardless so there's not going to be a rookie camp there's not going to be exhibition games it's just going to be you know everybody comes in train for you know train for uh, a couple weeks not even a couple weeks If it, if camp starts around january 2nd and you know, the season starts around January 13th. So it's, it's a very, very quick camp. Um, now, you know, I, I, I saw an article today, and it was true that during the uh, lockout in uh, 2012-13, camps were only six
0: days long. So it's... Yeah, they it's got awesome. to the playing games really quick. Yeah. They held the open yeah. practice at Wells Fargo Center. Claude welcomed the crowd. Boom, it was a game like two days later. <laughs> yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. And I, I think it'll be another quick kind of turnaround like that. <laughs> I mean, the only the only thing I guess is little different here is that you do have you know you do have the teams that didn't qualify for the postseason like detroit and ottawa and la and by the time they play their first game after a quick camp it'll been a little bit just about 10 months since their last game so that's a that's brutal for those clubs but i mean i you know players do keep themselves in great shape and i think you know i think the catch-up point would be relatively quick
0: although there's not a lot of runway to get off to a slow start. And yeah, for sure. in, in shortened seasons, you know, obviously when the, the sample size is smaller, um, you can have more variables. Teams that wouldn't make it in an 82-game season uh, may make the playoffs in a situation like – I look at a team like Buffalo, right, who got all had that 10-game win streak two years ago under Phil Housley. Then they make a coaching change. They had another streak last year. But they just seemed like the runway was always too long for them, and eventually they became the Buffalo Sabres and they could be one of those teams. Um, What we're hearing as far as division goes, divisions go, Bill, looks like the Flyers and Penguins will be in the same division now. Once they kind of settle on this. And I think one of the teams that they're not either of the teams that they're thinking about moving uh, with Minnesota and some other teams out in that area, maybe Dallas. Um, But you're going to face those teams, I guess eight or nine times during the season. And then you're going to, kind of battle your way out of that bracket of the playoffs as well there's going to be a lot of hatred seeing opponents that much and then having to advance through those teams to get to a stand you know to advance in the playoffs
1: yeah I mean it's almost uh you know kind of going back to the past a little bit you know when teams were were playing the other conference once every three years you're playing a lot of individual you know games in the division the American Hockey League of course you know a huge chunk of your schedules in the division and, and yeah it definitely builds up over the course of a season where you're seeing the same teams over and over and over again, a lot of home and homes as well to, to uh, reduce the amount of travel, with the team. So, you know, that's uh, definitely, definitely a, it's a good situation for rivalries. Listen, the Flyers are in a tough division here. You know, they really uh, are <laughs> now being the same division as the Bruins, you know, and um, you know, Penguins will still be in the division. The two New York teams, um, you know, the uh, see, well, the, who else is in the division? Well, Washington, New Jersey, yeah, Jersey, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, they may be on the come a little bit, yeah. and you know, yeah. with the so, coach yeah. and Lindy Ruff, and
1: yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, I mean, Buffalo's in a tough situation because they're the other team in the division too. They're, you yeah. know, they're a team that's, that's uh, I think finally on the rise, but that's a, that's a pretty tall order. The season, given the difficulty, oh,
0: Taylor Hall now too. You know, it's it's crazy. That's true and... too. That's true
1: too. How yeah, how are, how are all these pieces going to fit together? How are the new yep. coaches like Peter Laviolette going going to you know, there's not really a lot of time to, to uh, change systems or anything like that. You you just kind of have to evaluate as you go and, and install it, you know, and on the fly. So all that is going to be, you know, really interesting to watch.
0: I saw the TSN, um, of course, they cover Canada. So they, they had uh, on their insider trading with Pierre Lebrun, um, they, they put up a graphic about players that are in their town or where they play in the in NHL. Uh, The Toronto Maple Leafs already have 36 players are in town who will be invited to their training camp. Now, so many of them live in Toronto already, but uh, still, uh, Ottawa's got 31 players in town. Calgary, 26. Edmonton, 12. Uh, The Canadians, uh, probably less than 10, but there's a lot of restrictions right now in Quebec uh, in that province. Uh, Winnipeg's got nine. Vancouver's got eight. Do we know how many Flyers players are in the Philadelphia area and uh, working out at Skate Zone right now?
1: I have not seen an exact count. Um, you know, I know that, uh, you know, I know like, like Provrov has been there for, for a while. he's hot and- at the rink, by the way. <laughs> he does. He, he basically, <laughs> he basically lived at the rink, you know. Um, uh, Sam Moran, um, Lashinsky has been there for a while. Um, you know, I, 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 as players. Carter come in, came you- in Monday. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, you know, so, I mean, as, as we go over the next several days, I think we'll be hearing about, you know, a number of more players who are coming in. Um, you know, the Flyers still have, as, as far as I know, other than Lindblom and, and Haig, who were not playing during the offseason here, I think the players are still, you know, who were loaned to European teams are still over there. Like, I know that, I know that Michael Raffle was playing in the uh, Channel One Cup tournament, which is the old Isvestia Cup. Uh, that goes until the 20th of December, and he gets permission from the Flyers. He was loaned to the Austrian national team to participate in that. Um, I think right after that is when you'll see, you know, Roffle come back. And then and then the other guys like, uh, you know, Lena Sandin, who you'll think will want to get a, a jump on things. And his brother is already back in Toronto, too. His brother's already left the Swedish League. So I think I think something is imminent with him as well. So I think, you know, I think by this time next week, we'll be talking about a lot of players that are in town.
0: Bill, do you expect um, a vote to go to the, the Players Association for ratification and to the uh, Board of Governors coming up this week?
1: I, I think I think you almost have to you know, just, just based on if you're going to start, you know, if you're going to start uh, training camps on January 2nd and start the season uh, by that January 13th target date, you really have to have you know, everything ratified and, and basically ready to go on the other side of the other side of the holidays. I think that, uh, you know, I, I think in order to stay on track to do all that, I think you
0: have to have the agreement very soon. Um, one of the things and you and I've talked about, this is, you know, kind of the later you go, the more chance you can play games with fans. Yeah. And, um, I, I saw a tweet today from Dave Panyota from the FourthPeriod.com. period.com. Um, I've had Dave on my other podcast and he, he gets a very credible news guy. And he had said that uh, a Tampa Bay source had told him with their situation, it'll be handled separately from the Raptors because obviously Toronto is going to be playing down in Tampa. But uh, he said a league source told him that the NHL will allow fans to attend games in markets where local and state provincial regulations allow it. Details will be revealed once the 2021 season plans are finalized. And then he went on to say, let me reiterate, an NHL source confirmed to me that the league will allow fans to attend games in markets that allow it. The NHL will follow local state provincial regulations with respect to having fans in arenas and all the associated applicable protocols. So whenever the percentage of capacity in an arena increases or decreases, the NHL and its respective clubs will follow those rules in each market. Um, I saw a picture Uh, on uh, Tuesday night of the Sixers uh, having their preseason game at Wells Fargo center. I got to say, it looked good to see something happening in the Wells Fargo center. Um, And they had it kind of tarped off uh, the seats like they did at at the Toronto bubble and the Edmonton bubble. And they had the media down in the first level with, you know, staggered tables throughout and workstations set up. Um, I, I guess this will all depend on, you know, the numbers in Pennsylvania and the laws in Pennsylvania, but, you know, with the vaccine and, and, you know, what experts are saying, epidemiologists, we could see fans uh, maybe towards the, the back third of this season uh, to some degree in
1: the NHL. Yeah I, yeah, I think I think that's realistic. You know, I don't think it's realistic at the start of the, of the season. But uh, as, as you see, you know, the uh, percentage of the population that's vaccinated, hopefully see COVID numbers start to come down, um, you know, and that, that's when you would start to see you know, states and cities relax some of those restrictions. Um, You know, Philadelphia has one of the stricter um, rules about uh, indoor gatherings and and whatnot. So, you know, I I wouldn't expect to see, you know, much in in the way of crowds, you know, in Philadelphia for a significant part of the season, but hopefully on the back end of it as you're getting to the stretch drive and the, you know, the playoffs, then uh, that's when really, that's really when you most want, you know, fans in the stands anyway. So that, uh, you know, Uh, that that's another, that's another reason for optimism, at least over the, over the longer haul. But I mean, immediately, of course, the first priority is just, just get the season going.
0: Bill, how important is it for the NHL to, to dare I say, tick this season off, you know, check it off the to-do list because of a couple of things. Number one, the American TV deal. If you don't have a season, you don't, you don't knock off that last year of the TV deal. And that could bring in substantial revenue to the league when, and, and cash. Which, which is something that obviously uh, owners are in need of at this time. Uh, then also the expansion money that comes in with Seattle and a new TV deal. And then you couple all that with the fact that you can probably, not probably, but it's been speculated, you can have full buildings to start the 2021 campaign and do it on time. If you get the cup handed out by early to, early to mid-July and get back on a normal calendar. Uh, how much of do you think that the owners and the players kind of putting the financial stuff aside was because of all of that on the incoming calendar? I think, yeah, I think
1: that's absolutely, you know, not that the players and coaches of course are focusing on the season to come, but in the bigger, in the bigger picture, the focus is on the 21, uh, 22 season uh, with, you know, with Seattle coming into the league and and the expansion draft and, you know, to try to have a, a, a semblance of a normal offseason, normal draft, you know, this is, uh, you know, that, I mean, the draft is a whole other topic. But I mean, I've never seen anything like this just because at least at least this past year's draft, there was three quarters of a season sample size, you know, um, really with the way leagues have been this year, it's been very hard to scout anybody.
0: It'd be 10 games for a player, yeah. if that yeah.
1: Right. And some leagues, you know, like the Quebec League, that was that was rolling and they were fine. And then, you know, like the, the Maritimes division and they're back, they're back on pause just as, you know, just as restrictions have come in and, and cases have risen. Now, Europe has been a little different. Most European leagues have been more or less able to to roll, uh, not always individual teams. But it's going to be it's kind of, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see you know, how, they, how the player ratings look, you know, you're, all, you're already getting, by the time the season starts would usually be like the the midterm ratings for players. Yeah. Every, everybody be, you know, start basically starting at that point. So it's, that's going to be another really interesting thing too, to, to watch, you know, over, over these upcoming months.
0: And, you, and you're basically going to lose a month of the off season and in a year when you have an expansion draft. So it's going to be a, a condensed off season to get things started back to on the normal schedule. But, uh, there'll be a lot of hockey to really talk about the, the dead period will be far less uh, a period of time. It'll, it'll be two weeks as opposed to five weeks of that dead zone that you got usually from, you know, the last week of July all the way through August and then September as players trickle in and the camps begin to open and rookie camps and you can have a rookie camp. Maybe you have a rookie camp next summer and prospect camp and all those things. And um, we're just so looking forward to get things back to normal. Um, speaking of getting things done and obviously with, uh, you know, so much news about the NHL getting close to an agreement that's maybe applied a little pressure to both sides. Not that it was ever acrimonious between Phil Myers and the organization, but they get a deal done, Bill. And I got to tell you, this deal seems like a steal to me. Um, If Phil Myers ends up being your top pairing defenseman with Ivan Proveroff on that right side, the way he covers the ice, the way his, you know, development over the last three years has been, and it's been a meteoric development in my opinion – Uh, and at that number with this bridge deal i mean for it's a good number this year this year i believe based on what we know but based on the arc of you know what how he's trending as a player this could be an absolute steal now he's going to cash if that's the case when he gets to free agency but it's still be restricted right
1: yeah when he uh when this deal expires this is in a lot of ways for phil i mean he's you know he's making a nice a nice raise off of his entry level deal, sure. so there's something in it for him too. It's a big bump
0: as an um, undrafted he's,
1: player as well. He's an undrafted player too. Um, you know, and this this past season he was at least technically based on games played he was a rookie in the NHL this past season. So that's a that's a really nice salary bump for him. Uh, when this deal expires, he'll be one year away from unrestricted free agency. He'll be eligible for arbitration, and at that point if he if he plays as you you know Hope and, and expect that he will. Um, that, that's when he'll really get paid because he's a year away from unrestricted free agency. So at that point, you're, you know, you're settling on a multi-year deal where you're buying out, you're buying unrestricted free agent years, and that's when players, you know, really tend to cash in. So that's a that's a good thing for for Myers, and it's a good thing for the Flyers too because it's a lot of co- cost certainty, you know, for a guy who they're figuring on playing a lot of minutes for them the that, that right shot defenseman you know the the size and mobility i mean they're you know they're one of the unicorns around the league that you that every team is looking for the big the big defenseman who can also really can also really skate so
0: and you know, vomit too by the way
1: he can, he can and that's also an area of his game you know where he's he's improving because mm-hmm. i think when he first came up it, it was a little shock to him how fast you had you have to get your shots off yeah. you know as opposed to in in junior hockey and even the american League and that's an area where I think he, I think we saw in the playoffs too. You know, he scored some nice goals yeah. in the playoffs. And I goals. That, you know, <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's an area where, you know, I, I expect him to keep getting better and better, um, you know, with, with a little bit, uh, you know, with some inconsistency maybe over the next year or two, because that's just the way
0: young defensemen are. But I think there's a lot to be, you know, excited about with him. Absolutely. And talking to Carter, um, we had Carter Hart on Monday's episode to wrap up goal these week. And talking to Carter after we got done taping, um, you know, I always get into the gear talk with him um, because there's been a big transition in goalie gear. Uh, and, it, you know, he was entertaining representing CCM as part because Carey Price left CCM to go to right. True Hockey, which Lefave is the manufacturer that's now manufacturing specs for True. Um, but Carter said something to me. He said, you know, I, I met with them, but this wasn't the right time to have that conversation because of this kind of goofy offseason where you don't have time to test gear. He said, I didn't want to mess around in this tightened off season. Um, I had to go with what I felt comfortable in, and I didn't have time to test gear. I thought that was in- incredibly mature for a guy who hasn't signed anything behind this ELC. He could have gotten a, probably a nice payday uh, from, from that company to be one of their main representatives to wear their stuff. And the fact that he wanted to wear stuff that he was comfortable in, which is the Lefebvre True Gear right now. You saw him switch to that in the playoffs. I thought was incredibly uh, mature at a time when, you know, financials, e- even for professional athletes, are a little in spec- very speculative right now. I was oh, really sure. impressed by yeah. that.
1: And, and coming up on his, his first restricted free agent year, um, this this will be the one where he doesn't have an you know, arbitration, right? It's not that he has to worry about it. He'll get, he'll get a multi-year extension. Um, if you remember, he he experimented a little bit with new gear during the uh, training camp in, in phase three, and then he yeah. that only lasted a couple of days. He went back to what what was comfortable to him. So I'm not you know not surprised that he wants to stay with what he knows, particularly in a shortened season. And then you know then you have a summertime where you can you can try out some new stuff. And that is that's a very and you know, that's a very uh, mature outlook for him. And it's not it's not really surprised because Carter really is a kid who has his his head on straight, and he's thinking more about that than you know. <laughs> the ancillary stuff he just he just wants to go out and, and play hockey and be yeah. you
0: know no no you know play what he knows stop pucks that's also about yeah. and it's funny he ended up in the playoffs in kind of a frankenstein setup but you know wearing Lefave pads Lefave blocker and a CCM glove cuz he didn't yeah. like the way that the Lefave glove at that time uh, it wasn't even with true at that point uh was was basically collecting pucks for him he uses a 600 break glove and um so interesting I thought that was really interesting uh let's put a wrap on goalie's week because Boy, I thought I, – I, I really enjoyed doing the interviews. You know how much I love talking about the position. Um, but I thought the, the thing that was most revealing with the guys that we talked to and Marty Buran and Michael Layton was so great to, to talk to and then talk to Robert Ash and talk about that Senators game and always loved talking to Boosh, and uh, I chew his ear off all the time anyway, uh, and then eventually with Carter and, and Bobby Taylor and talking about the generations of goalies. And I I think we learned so much more about the guys behind the mask and not necessarily the player. We learned a lot about the players and the different personalities. But I felt like we got to know those guys, those players as people a lot more throughout the series. And I think that was really revealing.
1: I thought, yeah, I I agree. And I also think that one thing came through no matter what generation they, they played with the team is their, you know, just their, their passion for the game as a whole, you know, not, not just the goaltending part of it, but they really, they really just love hockey, you know? And, um, I mean, I, I think that really came through especially strong in in the Bobby Taylor interview, but uh, I mean, it, 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 it was basically in all of them. I mean, I thought that I thought every guy in there really had some interesting insights into, you know, how they, how they view the position, how they, how they view the sport, how they view preparation. You know, I think that, so, so much of goaltending, you know, is as much mental as it is the physical side of it. And um, that's something that all those guys talked about, too, where there's, uh, you know, there, there goes a lot into learning the game. You know, Robert Esch was a guy who's, um, you know, it's funny uh, I, in talking to, to Eschie before, he said he actually thought that he'd become a better goaltender in the KHL than during his NHL years, only because he learned how to read plays a lot better. Before that he relied on his reflexes and his athleticism, you know, and, and, um, you know, he really had to, because of several injuries. Yeah. He really had to learn about, uh, you know, reading plays as, as they develop and also playing in the bigger rink was an adjustment for him too. So he had to rethink some things. And, uh, you know, I mean, one of the things that they really mean with Carter is that he's so mature mentally, unusually mature for, for a young goaltender. Uh, You know, you can look back at the histories of Bernie Perron and Pelly Lindbergh, and you can truthfully say that as young goalies, they hadn't mastered the mental part of the game. That took them time, you know, and that's uh, that's
0: something that that uh, particularly impresses me with Carter. Yeah, he's way ahead of the curve in that regard and reading plays. And yeah, Robert, I said when he was in the KHL. He said it was so weird guys would pull up on a breakaway and try and make a pass. <laughs> and you're almost yelling at them like, would you shoot the damn thing? <laughs> you know, you so much surface out there that it'll drive a goalie crazy. Cause you're planning for the shot and you're going, just get rid of it, dude. Like, let's go. And we can move on. If you score, you score. If I stop it, we can move on to the next element of this sequence. But, damn it, shoot it. <laughs> it's great stuff. And I'm sure she was right. Like that's a whole different read You have to consider every threat that's on the ice because of that, the size of the sheep. Anyway, I enjoyed doing it. The articles you wrote were fantastic. And uh, the one you kind of capped it off with, with the masks. And I quote tweeted it. And I said, so many guys that played the position that usually check one of these two boxes, if not both of them for guys that choose to make that the position they want to play in sports, um, either you had older brothers and they always stuffed you in the net in street hockey and you ended up being the goalie or it was the gear and just you, you see the gear when you're a kid and you're just like, Oh my God, look at this. He looks like a transformer, right. Or some kind of character in a movie. And then as masks got more and more developed and the painting of masks and you did this feature on all the different masks throughout the years. And I saw Mark LaForest chimed in with, his trees mask and you and I had actually talked about that prior as well, which was a really cool one with the branches and the flyers logos all over it. But the mask to me is, is, is the reasons why as you see behind me, they're all over my walls. I, I love the mask and it's what brought me into the position, even though I did have older brothers that stuffed me between the pipes as a kid, but the mask is damn cool. And it's getting cooler every single year.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's so much. It's so much of the goalies identity you know, and, um, you know, it, uh, particularly as they've evolved, you know, at first they were just strictly utilitarian, you know, and then then it became something that it was, you know, it was a personal expression as much as anything else. And it's also funny how, you know, how uh, you can also, you can also see who a goalie's heroes and influences were too. And I love that, you know, like a, a, a couple of years ago, because um, Brian Elliott was, was a Hexi fan and, he didn't want to copy Hexie's arrow mask, but he wanted kind of a tribute to it. So it was a variation on it. You know, that's before he had the, the, the antlers and everything. his yeah. moose mask. But, uh, you know, you could see that, that Hexie was a guy he grew up admiring. So, you know, the mask was kind of a, a tribute to him and go back, go back to Pally Lindbergh. I mean, his mask was a replica of Bernie's because Bernie was a zero, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Bernie's mask, his second mask was uh, a, a basically an updating Jacques Pond's mask. Yeah. Like yeah. The ghost mask. So, yeah, you know that uh I, I think there's I think there's so much involved in it. You know, and and they, they do. They they really they really look cool. They look cooler and cooler. You know, yeah. Uh, the more the more they're innovating
0: Yeah. One of the early innovators in painting was was Wayne Stevenson and the two flyer yeah. logos with the, the middle circle cut out for the eyes. That was the one that made me go, Oh my god, how cool is that? And I bought it one of those Cooper White Street hockey masks and painted lines it. on it, and we painted that mask. You know, yeah. And it's just. And then they came in with the kind of the hybrid mask and cage combo, and it, it's just amazing what they can do. And I, it's this time of year, I love seeing all the new masks get displayed and all the new setups for goalies. And it's just one of those really cool things. Uh, Bill, we have something uh, on the horizon that is scheduled. It's the World Junior Championships. Uh, flowers, will have three players in participation. I cannot wait to watch Cam York. Is obviously a guy that I can't wait to see his development. I've been watching him with Michigan a bit, and and he looks fantastic. And but Bobby Brink is the guy for me that I really want to get a lot of, a lot of data on a a lot of eyes and a lot of play. And I want to see where that release is and that it's a little bit different of a skating stride, but uh, what are you looking forward to in the WJC?
1: Well, you know, both, both of those guys were uh, participants a year ago. Neither guy played very much, particularly York. York, York hardly played this year though. York is the only returning defenseman team the only 19 year old and he certainly he certainly has filled out over the last year oh. yeah so you know he's he's now much more physically mature than he was uh, a year or so ago so uh, i look for him to play a big role playing big minutes getting power play time and brink as well brink got some power play time a year ago but i think his role his role will be expanded this year as well you know all, all three guys the other one being emil andre the uh Defensor from Sweden, the Flyers picked in the second round this year. All three guys have a lot of pedigree at the international levels. Um, Andre was the captain of Sweden's under-18 national team, and usually what you see in Sweden, also you know hockey, also with hockey Canada and, and USA Hockey too, is that the players who enter the national team system in 16, 17 tend to be the guys who end up going to the you know World Championships ultimately, and that can work against the player too. Um, you know, I, I think a big part of the reason like Claude Giroux didn't go to the World Juniors at 18, even though he had a hundred point season, was he never played for Team Canada before. Morgan Frost had never been part of the national team as an 18-year-old, even though he had 109 points that year. So it was when he was 19 that he went. But those guys who were, who were like kind of ingrained in the national team system, uh, of course, both uh, you know, both York and Brink were part of that uh, U.S. national development, team development program and you know that which which feeds into the under 18 and the under 20s so these guys have a lot of international experience are used to the use of high pressure games with a lot of scouts eyes on them and uh, this is big because this is going to be the you know the final tournament for those two guys for York and Brank at the uh, under 20 level whereas Andre will have one more year to go and I think another year out he'll play a bigger role for the Swedes and I think he'll play this year I think he'll be about a number five defenseman, maybe a number four defenseman for the, the Swedes this year, and then you'll see see him play a bigger role a year from now. So although there have been tournaments where the Flyers have had you know more representatives, more countries, uh, you you have guys who are going to play you know significant roles on, on their respective teams, and it's always interesting when you know when it's the USA guys. Anyway, uh, you know of course you go back to when uh, Ghost won the won the gold medal, and and, and Lashinsky was part of you know a gold medalist team. So it's 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 always cool to see you know how how your prospects do other teams as well because you get a good look at you know at how other teams prospects have come along since the draft and um, you know and and um, how they fare against you know the best in their age category. I mean it's really one of the signature uh, tournaments around the world. One of the ones I look forward to the most. I think I like the World Juniors actually better than I like the the World Championships. Even if you know those years these years if you have a lot of players in the worlds, it means your NHL team is out of the playoffs mm-hmm. so you you follow you know you follow the tournament you you know you hope they do well but it's a, it's a little different than the world juniors which i think is a real big proving ground
0: yeah and this and this kicks off the hockey season in a lot of ways this is where sure, the world for sure, for sure. kind of puts a bow on it uh, towards the you know the end of the latter stages of the playoffs so uh it's going to be really exciting it's going to all get underway on christmas day and uh we'll see if team usa can match up against team canada once again and Uh, give them a run and see if who comes away with gold uh, once again, but that's coming up uh, very near here on the calendar as well. Bill, this was awesome. We we tackled a lot of subjects. We're taking away the days on that calendar. We're pretty sure we have that date of January 13th that we're counting towards. And like I said, four weeks from today, 28 days uh, till we get to to that time. And hopefully that's when Wes McCauley will be dropping a puck on a season. And it it may start with no fans, but we're all hoping that it's going to end with a full house and the cup and uh, hopefully uh, the Philadelphia Flyers playing into the month of July, which would, which would be bizarre, but would be great. And we would certainly enjoy it. Thanks for doing this bill. My pleasure. Thanks to Bill Meltzer for joining us on this episode of Flyers daily. We'll be back Friday. Hopefully, well we know we'll be a couple days closer to the start of the NHL season, but hopefully with news of either a ratification, a pending ratification or some concrete details etched in stone for the 2021 NHL season. In the meantime, everybody, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you on Friday's episode of Flyers Dale. Where
1: do we go? Nobody knows. I've got to say I'm on my way down. God, give me style and give me grace. I put a smile upon my face